You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled, Why a Man? Hello my radio friends, I'm glad you've joined me today for another program in the series, Give Me the Bible. We're glad you've been enjoying the programs. And we thank those of you who've sent phone, text or email messages telling us just that. We're also very glad that there have been a number of people who've become committed Christians as a result of what you and they have been hearing on these radio programs. Today we will examine why Jesus, why, why Jesus came to this earth as a man in order to save sinners. To understand this properly, we must take a look at how sin began on this planet and the forces involved. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells us how planet Earth came to be and how life began. It's best if you read it for yourself, but I'll briefly summarize it for you. The Earth and what is in it came to being because it was created by God. Now I know that non-biblical people keep on presenting that the earth came into being on its own and everything that formed in and on it came about on its own. As far as I'm concerned, that idea as presented in the theory of evolution lacks plausibility and should be completely disregarded. When God created the earth and all its fauna and flora, the pinnacle of his creation was man. The first male was Adam, and the first female, Adam's partner, was Eve. They were mature people, and the garden environment where God placed them was also mature. For example, trees bore fruit, and so on. Adam and Eve were mature, but as adults they were innocent of evil. When God made mankind, he gave everyone the power of choice, and he sincerely hoped that man would exercise the right choice in a positive way. You see, God placed something right in the middle of the garden where that power of choice might be exercised. It was a tree, known as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God warned Adam and Eve, the parents of all humanity, not to touch that tree and not to eat any fruit from it, because if they did, there'd be serious consequences. They would die. Now, there's much more to understand before we discuss why Jesus came as a man. It appears that around the time the earth was created, there was a major disturbance in heaven. A created mighty angel, Lucifer, became very jealous of God and wished that he could receive the adoration and obedience by the other angels instead of God. 
So he began a campaign amongst the heavenly beings, accusing God of being tyrannical, and he told the angels that they would only get a fair deal if they worshipped him, that is, Lucifer. The best references for you to read about this are Revelation chapter 12, verses 7, 8 and 9. Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 17, and Ezekiel 28, verses 11 through to 19. I'll give those again if you want to write them down. Revelation 12, verses 7 to 9, Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 17, and Ezekiel 28, verses 11 to 19. Eventually God had no other choice but to remove the rebel angel Lucifer and those other angels who accepted him as their leader and they were cast out of heaven. We don't know where they went first or how many planets and places they tried but eventually they ended up on planet earth innocent and fresh from the creator's hand. Adam and Eve were the rulers of the earth as they were put in charge of the whole planet. Everything else God had created was subject to and in the care of Adam and Eve. If Lucifer, now with a new name because of his fallen sinful state, Satan, if he could somehow entice Adam and Eve into doing what he wanted, then they would become subject to him. The only way he could get at them was that they would disobey God and the only restriction that God had placed on them was that tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the middle of the garden. We need to remember that Satan was a supernatural being and although fallen, was powerful and extremely cunning. I will come back to this point in just a moment. The Bible says in three places that it was Jesus Christ, the son, God the Son, who made the earth. There's John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, which says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that was made. And the same sort of thing is said in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 and Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. Satan, the rebel, would do anything he could to get back at God because his plans for self-glory were thwarted. He'd been kicked out of heaven. If by some means he could get possession of some place in the universe, he would then be at least partly satisfied. On earth he had a chance, and using his cunning and supernatural powers, somehow he must have enticed Adam and Eve to go near the forbidden tree in the middle of their garden home. 
Once near the tree, Satan, disguised as a beautiful serpent, spoke. He said in an incredulous voice, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now I'm reading to you from Genesis chapter 3. Eve innocently replied, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you'll die. Ha! You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. That was the biggest, fattest, most far-reaching lie ever told on this planet, and people have fallen for it for generations since. Genesis 3 goes on to tell us how Eve was sucked in by Satan's lie, and she took some of the fruit and ate it, and she gave some to her husband Adam, and he ate it as well. In addition to the dying process beginning in Adam and Eve, their act led to two other things happening. Number one, our first parents forfeited their rulership rights of the earth because they had done the will of a higher being. Number two is that that higher being, Satan, became the ruler of this world. In John chapter 12 verse 31, Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. If you ever wonder why there's so much evil, injustice, disregard for human rights, greed, enmity and selfishness on our planet, it is because of Satan, the rebel who's a liar, who is the prince of this world. His desire for worship and his bitter opposition to God is the root of all our troubles. The question then, given all this that happened, what could God do? If he destroyed the world straight away after Satan's takeover, then other heavenly beings or universal beings would be justified in saying God was a tyrant. If God ignored the situation, that would be just as bad as destroying the rebels. No, he must do something, and the remedy for the problem must come from him. Man could not right himself, so the only rescue mission for fallen man must come from God. Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, the one who created the world, would have to become the rescuer. Another point. The observers of what was going on here in our planet must be given the opportunity to see what the effects would be under Satan's rule. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. In effect, this verse is saying 
that Jesus became a man and lived in the same conditions as all other men do, subject to sin. Jesus had to deal with Satan on the same grounds as Adam. And that's why Jesus is sometimes called the second Adam. We're going to stop here. And this is a very important issue we're talking about at the moment, and I hope you don't miss it. talking today about why Jesus came to this earth as man in order to pay the price for man's sins. Jesus had to deal with Satan on the same grounds as Adam. In modern parlance, 
we would call that fact that Jesus came as a man as being on a level playing field. Jesus could have no advantages. The battle for mastery over the devil must be the same as existed before man was tricked into giving up his rulership to the enemy, Satan. Now, what I've just told you is very, very important. Don't miss it. I'll repeat it for you. Jesus must deal with Satan on the same grounds as Adam did. It had to be a level playing field. Jesus could have no advantages. The battle for mastery over the devil must be the same as existed before man was tricked into giving up his rulership of this world to the enemy, Satan. The second issue is that if Jesus came as God, he would have had unfair advantages. The contest would have been uneven. And there's another thing too. If he came as God, he would have been immortal because God is immortal. First Timothy 1.17 tells us that. It says, Now to the King Eternal, immortal, invisible, to God, who alone is wise, be honour and glory forever and ever. If Jesus came as God, he could not die, and the legal requirements of our rebellion could not be met. But did you think of it, since Jesus came as a man, he was able to sin, able in the sense of being capable of sinning. If he did sin, his mission to rescue sinful man would have utterly failed, and mankind would have no way of escaping the tyranny of the devil's evil rule. So, how did Jesus go? In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, the Bible speaking about Jesus as our great high priest says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus, although subject to temptation, lived his life while here on earth as a man, and he did not sin. He won the victory over, the, over Satan, and he was qualified, therefore, to be our saviour. Yet it was necessary for Jesus, the victor, to take the punishment for everyone else's sins in order to reclaim them back to God and free them from Satan's dominion, and hence his death on the cross. I know there are plenty of people who acknowledge Jesus' death on the cross, but really are quite ignorant why that had to be. You may be aware of something Jesus said just before he died. From the cross he proclaimed, It is finished. 
the battle against the prince of this world had been won. Jesus claimed the victory. He paid the price for our sins with his sinless life and his death on our behalf. Grace and love triumphed over selfishness and jealousy. As you may know, Jesus died on a Friday afternoon, but after resting in the tomb over the Sabbath, rose from the dead on the Sunday morning, the first day of the week. Jesus then took on a different role, <clears throat> the role of our mediator. He had earned the right to become our mediator, and now, as the book of Hebrews explains, he is in heaven as our high priest, the go-between between man and God the Father. And that's why salvation cannot be obtained in any other way than through him. Salvation is not a matter of following a particular guru or a great leader, such as Muhammad or Buddha. Salvation cannot be obtained by living a good life. Salvation cannot be obtained by belonging to any particular religious organization or by following a set of rules. Salvation is only obtained through Jesus Christ, as he is the only one who is qualified to give it. He won the victory, firstly as a man, and secondly without any unfair advantages that Adam, the first man, did not have. That salvation is offered to everyone. If you accept Jesus' sacrifice to save you, to forgive you of your sins, you will have done a very good thing. But if you decline his kind offer, that choice is yours. God has never taken away your power to choose. And what would be my advice to you? Choose to accept what Jesus has done for you. Have your sins forgiven and accept life, eternal life. And if you choose otherwise, you must pay the ultimate penalty for your sins, yourself. Eternal death will be your punishment. Jesus became a man in order to save men. And I, for one, am so very grateful for that. My friends, that's it for this week. Until next time, this is Len signing off and wishing you God's richest blessings, including peace and hope. Thank you.